Good evening. Welcome to a new episode of System Update, our live nightly show that airs every Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, exclusively here on Rumble, the free speech alternative to YouTube. Tonight, we present two very different, though very informative interviews that we conducted late last week. Both shed significant light on U.S. wars, U.S. foreign policy, but also the political situation in multiple other countries. First, we speak to someone who has become a regular guest on our program, one of the most popular guests we have. He's Jeffrey Sachs, the international economist and Columbia University professor who spent much of his life in high-end prestigious positions inside international establishment institutions, advising the World Bank, helping guide multiple countries out of debt and bankruptcy, being a very valued advisor to several presidential administrations, all while being one of the loudest and most effective critics of establishment dogma. He has lately become one of the most aggressive critics of Biden administration foreign policy, from the U.S. support for the bloody and feudal war in Ukraine to its financing and arming of Israel's destruction of Gaza to the various escalations and conflicts the Biden administration is pursuing in multiple countries in the Middle East. We speak to Sachs tonight about the current situation in the war in Ukraine, the inability of Congress to authorize $60 billion more for Ukraine and $17 billion more for Israel, whether this difficulty reflects a change in political sentiments among Americans about financing foreign wars. We speak to him about the war in Gaza, the various wars in the Middle East, and much more. Then we speak to one of the most important and influential figures in Colombia, where all sorts of complex and interesting and revealing political debates are unfolding. In 2022, that country elected its first left-wing president, Gustavo Petro, after decades of right-wing leaders that were highly loyal to the United States and followed the same ideological path. The person who is Petro's closest advisor, the Spanish newspaper El País called him Petro's apostle, is Gustavo Bolivar. He is actually best known as an author of critically acclaimed and internationally well-read novels, most notably the international bestseller, quote, without tits, there is no paradise. I think it sounds less crude in Spanish, but that's the translation. He was elected to the Colombia Senate in 2018. He is now a central figure in the presidency of President Petro. We spoke about here in the studio the reasons why Petro was elected, why he has suffered a pretty significant drop in popularity in such a short period of time, how Colombia's strategy for dealing with drug gangs and international drug traffickers, namely by forging a peace deal with the leading drug gang FARC, compares with the far more violent and aggressive approach taken by the highly popular president of El Salvador, why President Petro was one of the first to denounce Israel's war in Gaza, whether it matters to Latin American countries like Colombia, which of the two political parties run Washington, and much more about the political scene in Colombia, how that affects the region and the United States. Latin America has always been crucial to American foreign policy given its proximity to our continent. And Colombia has long been one of the most influential countries in that region, both for other Latin American countries and for the U.S. I found Bolivar, who's visiting Brazil here in Rio, and was inside of our studio to be a very sophisticated and illuminating analyst of the situation in Colombia, but also the broader geopolitical situation in which that country finds itself. And I'm very confident you will view it in the same way. Before we get to those interviews, a few programming notes. System Update is available in podcast form where you can listen to each episode 12 hours after their first broadcast live on Rumble, on Spotify, Apple, and all other major podcasting platforms. If you rate and review the show, it really helps spread the visibility 
of the program. As a final reminder, every Tuesday and Thursday night, once we're done with our live show here on Rumble, we move to locals for our live interactive after show. I'm traveling this week, so we won't be doing that this week, but as soon as I'm back on Monday, we will be res resuming our live after shows on Tuesday and Thursday. Those shows where we take your questions and respond to your feedback and critiques and hear your suggestions for future guests are available only to members of our Locals community. If you want to become a member of our Locals community, which gives you access not only to those twice a week after shows, but also to the daily transcripts of every show we publish here on Rumble, rep broadcast here on Rumble, we publish on Locals. It's also the place where we have a lot of interactive features where I respond to as many of your questions and critiques and comments as I can. It's the place we publish our original journalism and it's most of all the community on which we rely to support the independent journalism that we're trying to do here every night. Simply click the join button right below the video player on the Rumble page, and it will take you to that Locals community. For now, welcome to a new episode of System Update, starting right now. <music> Professor Sox, thank you so much for joining us. It's always great to talk to you. Likewise, thank you. So every time we get together, we talk about war, which I guess is the nature of being an American. When we talked to you six months ago, there was one war. When we talked to you two months ago, there were two. Now there are many. It's hard to know where to begin, but why don't we just start with Ukraine, which is the oldest one, and work our way up. There seems to be a lot of chaos in Kiev, where President Zelensky just fired his top commander. There's certainly chaos in Washington, where they can't figure out how to get the next $60 billion to Ukraine, even though they want to. What do you make of where we are in this war? Well, on the battlefield, uh, Russia is uh, taking apart Ukraine, and the uh, death toll uh, for the Ukrainians is uh, terrifying. Uh, but Washington remains uh, steadfast on one point, which is no negotiations, no discussion of real solutions, a war-only approach. It's pathetic, uh, absolutely pathetic. And the idea of uh, putting another $61 billion into more deaths for Ukraine, more destruction for Ukraine, without a word about politics and a solution to this is Biden's complete failure. So I, I find the situation shocking. I find it shocking that uh, a large part of the Senate and almost all of the Democratic Party mindlessly goes along with this. Uh, we have heard since those two months even more stories about how the U.S. stopped the negotiated settlement in, two, in 2022. This is uh, mind-boggling in the complete absence of any interest whatsoever in ending this war. Well, let's, let me ask you about that because you've been a critic from the start of the U.S. role in Ukraine. Um, I have as well. There's no consolation to have been vindicated given how disastrous the war has been. But certainly everything you're describing now is visible to everybody in Washington, even if somehow it wasn't at the start of the war, that Ukraine cannot win. There's no way to expel all Russian troops from Ukrainian soil, let alone from Crimea. There's just no possibility of any of those objectives being fulfilled. What at this point do you think is the objective or has what and looking back, what has been the objective all along? Well, I think the objective uh, all along for the last 30 years was to uh, put uh, the U.S. and NATO into Ukraine. Uh, and uh, at each point, uh, Biden, uh, Sullivan, Blinken, Newland uh, on <laughs> this has been going on for uh, more than a decade. And 
Before that, it was Newland as part of the uh, Bush administration. They thought they could uh, bluff their way in or frighten their frighten Putin and their way in and so forth. It's just been one stupid, uh, cruelly ignorant miscalculation after another. Uh, they got to the point where every gambit failed. Uh, the only thing that they accomplished was spending more than a hundred billion of U.S. money and about five hundred thousand casualties uh, in Ukraine, a, a catastrophe. And now they have an election coming. So to my mind, uh, at least one part of this story is just get to November without an embarrassment, no matter how many more deaths they cause. Another $61 billion doesn't matter. It's not their money. They're just trying to uh, avoid embarrassment for what has been uh, an absolutely disgraceful foreign policy for a decade. Uh, we're, we're in the 10th anniversary of Biden, Newland, Blinken, Sullivan participating in the overthrow of the Yanukovych government. And this is what it's brought, complete disaster for Ukraine and nothing good for the United States. Guess that there's one silver lining. It's the fact that this request for $60 billion has been pending before the Congress for several months now. They struggled for a long time. And it, as of this week, they're trying everything. And so far, nothing's working, not just to send $60 billion to Ukraine, but also another $17 billion to Israel. Is this just something that you think is kind of an election year theater in Congress where they're kind of uh, trading for things and eventually we'll send it? Or do you think it actually reflects some change in the politics in terms of what Americans think about sending huge amounts of money to finance other countries' wars when our country is in many ways falling apart? Well, I think it is exactly the fact the Americans are completely against this. Uh, spend another $61 billion with the massive budget deficits, with the cuts in essential services. I point out uh, in, in a... <laughs> Uh, in a post today that the $61 billion exceeds our uh, nutrition programs for women and children, uh, Environmental Protection Agency, the National Science Foundation, the Department of Labor added all together. But, you know, it's games for these senators. I think what's interesting is, in fact, it's routine for the senators to routinely vote mindlessly money for the military industrial complex and the fact that they're with these hiccups right now and they they want to do it but they can't do it is because it's so atrocious what they're being asked to do something that it is is a disaster in ukraine and that is complicity in genocide in the case of the war in gaza and so it's completely unjustified this money and yet they're still trying trying because their normal mode is to vote money for the military. And for this to be even a hiccup right now is something different. It's because the American people are absolutely against it and because the real purposes of this are so awful <laughs> that there's no justification. And interestingly, there's while there's debate, there's no substantive discussion. You don't hear Chuck Schumer who pushes this every day give a speech explaining anything or discussing the context or what's really going on. It's mindlessness. They just want to vote money for the military and they want to avoid any embarrassment before the November election. But there's no substance behind it. And that's why they're tripping up right now. 
Moving to the second war, which is the one we're financing and arming Israel to carry out in the destruction of Gaza. We spoke in November about a month into the war, and obviously you were making a lot of observations about how atrocious that war was at the time. We're now four months into the war, three months later. Things have gotten cataclysmically and exponentially worse. Um, where do we stand in this war, and what now do you think Israel's actual objectives are? They're saying this war is going to last for several more months. They just rejected Hamas's counteroffer for a ceasefire. Netanyahu seems intent on continuing this. What do you see as the driving motives here? Well, I think uh, the key event uh, since we last talked was the ruling of the International Court of Justice, which said that there are plausible grounds that Israel is committing genocide. And that means, by the way, that America is complicit in a genocide, if that's what the ultimate finding is. And I think that there are good reasons for the court to have made that ruling. When you find genocide, it's both a matter of the incredible destruction and cruelty on the ground. Two million people displaced, around 30,000 dead, 70% of whom are women and children. We watched the demolition of universities, of schools, of mosques, of hospitals, of apartment buildings before our eyes with the gleeful uh, members of the Israeli Defense Forces. And the second part of a genocide finding is intent. And there, the intent is, is that the Israeli cabinet doesn't disguise what they want. They want the Palestinians gone. They want ethnic cleansing. If, if it means death because the Palestinians won't leave, so be it. And they don't hide this. Now, what is, what is, what is amazing, actually, is that since this ICJ ruling, Israel hasn't changed an iota, not a bit. It continues the killing, it continues the slaughter, it continues the murder in cold blood. And now it says it's going to assault the south of Gaza where it told the Palestinians to leave for safety. And the statements by the cabinet have remained absolutely as vile and genocidal as before. So they don't even take note, well, maybe we should be a little bit careful, not anything like that. One, well, uh, one of the, the country, one, they had a, they had a, go ahead. Uh, they, they had a, a big event in Tel Aviv, you know, where the settlers are saying, we're going to resettle Gaza. Uh, they have to leave. This is greater Israel. And there it is before our eyes. Now, today, it's incredible to watch Secretary Blinken. Uh, he, he, he wrings his hands. He says, oh, yes, it would be better with a, a, a two-state solution. That's what uh, the Saudis are, are telling us and, and what we know. But this is up to the Israelis. It's saying, it's saying as clear as can be, Israel runs American policy. Okay, that's it. Even Israel though we finance them, policy. even though we finance them. Yes. It's the most no, no, bizarre no, exactly. dynamic. We, I know we provide the munitions, we provide the financing, we're asking for emergency aid. And Blinken's saying, there's nothing we can do. It's all up to the Israelis. Well, let me, I mean, let me ask you, the, the, one, the one thing that has changed since the ruling is that there was one group doing actual work in delivering basic humanitarian assistance, nowhere near sufficient, but still some, 
to the Gazan population that has been on the brink of starvation and now suffers the genuine prospect of mass famine, which was the UN uh, Rescue Aid Agency, and Israel just decided to accuse it of having 12 members who participated in October 7th and being linked to Hamas, and now the United States and multiple other European countries that have been funding the destruction of Gaza are now saying we're going to cut off funding to the only aid agency that's actually doing something on a substantive level to keep the people in Gaza from just dying in mass numbers from treatable infections and starvation. What do you make of those accusations? Complicity uh, in genocide. You know, even if the accusations were true on their face and we have not the slightest idea whether they are and people that have seen the dossier supposedly say that it's absolutely absurd. But even if it were true on the face, the reaction to cut off an aid agency at this moment with hundreds of thousands on the brink of starvation is absolutely complicity in a genocide. So, you know, I don't know what they think they're getting away with. The whole world's eyes are on this. There will be a report uh, by uh, South Africa shortly again to the court. There's nothing hidden in any of this. Uh, it, of course, it, having being uh, held accountable for genocide doesn't stop the genocide by itself. But the American leaders are absolutely complicit in this. And the senators like Schumer, who just give them the money, doesn't matter, are complicit in this, too. Doesn't anybody speak a word of honesty anymore? This is this is really the question. Kirby, who is uh, the spokesman every day, the one that said that the accusations were completely meritless when South Africa first made the application and then dismissed the court's ruling, uh, brushed it aside in one moment, does not say a word of truth on any day. And this is how we are right now. Of course, the world's extremely dangerous when it is so miserably governed and when the United States, with, which is a, a big military power, is absolutely without decency and limits. Well, last question, because I know you have to leave. Uh, but speaking of being miserably governed and dangerous, the United States, the Biden administration, said at the start that their primary objective was to avoid an escalation in the Middle East. Obviously, that's failed. We are now repeatedly bombing Yemen with no congressional debate or authorization continuously bombing targets both in Iraq and Syria that we say are linked to Iran. We've had three of our own troops killed in a military base in Jordan that no, very few people knew existed. What do you see as the risk of regional escalation now? Look, Israel's policy is not even about Hamas. Israel's policy explicitly, it's the policy of the cabinet ministers. It's their stated intentions every day. Uh, it is the core of the uh, policy platforms of the parties in power is control over all of Palestine. This is not a secret. And they want the Palestinians to leave or they'll die or something else. With that approach, there can be no peace. There can be no avoidance of escalation. And the United States says, well, it's, uh, it's up to Israel. We're just going to keep going along with it. Uh, this is a, you can't even understand how pathetic uh, this is. The United States, uh, we have some choices, but this administration apparently just uh, says, no, they're not our choices, they're Israel's choices. Well, the choices that Israel makes 
uh, are uh, absolutely leading to wider and wider war. And we know that it's no secret that these uh, religious national extremists in Israel want the United States to go to war with Iran. So if that's what Israel wants, is that what we're going to do? That's uh, that's what we're going to find out. Professor Sachs, it's always very illuminating to talk to you. It's also so refreshing to hear someone speak with so much bluntness and without obfuscation about these crucial issues. So we're always delighted to have you on. We appreciate your taking the time. Thanks so much. Let's do it again soon. Good Absolutely. To talk with Bye-bye. You.